Welcome everyone to the fourth episode of our podcast, A Place Called Bethany. Um, this is our podcast where we share um, stories um, and our life, our thoughts on prayer, celibacy and sisterhood, um, our life with Jesus in the day to day. And we have been taking you on a journey around the world to our different Bethany houses and are meeting different guests um, every week, a different Bethany sister. And today we are very blessed to have Sherry Snyder with us. Um, Sherry is from Ann Arbor in Michigan in the United States. And we're delighted to have you, Sherry. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it's really great to have you. Uh, I'm Chris from Belfast. I always forget this part. And I'm Monse from Ecuador. I also always forget this part. <laughs> but um, it's great to have this chance to chat a bit and hear from um, you, Sherry, about your life and your experience of living single for the Lord and Bethany. Um, Sherry, I was thinking you have been my mentor for a number of years now in our little Bethany world. Um, you helped me with my discernment towards my lifelong commitment, and that's just been a great blessing. Um, I am always blessed by your sort of down-to-earth vision. You have vision for the long term, but you keep it real. And I need that because I tend to overthink things. And um, I think it's just been amazing how you have often pointed me to just hearing what God has next. Um, and Sherry is also our Bethany president, La Presidenta. Um. Um, so we've got the big wigs out today. Um, but yeah, so Sherry is um, leading our council and shaping our life together in our future. And um, this is your last term, I think. We have yeah. elections coming up this year, but it's been, um, yeah, it's been a great blessing. And so I would love um, to have you tell us a little bit more about yourself just by way of introduction. And please tell us um, what your favorite thing is to bake also. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I um, I'm at this point in my life. I'm retired. I've been uh, a nurse by profession. That's what I came to university to study. Um, I um, have made a decision to sing for the Lord when I was 19. Um, currently, I live in a household with two other single for the Lord Bethany sisters, and my mother moved into us at the begin with us at the beginning of COVID. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I do want to ask you about your baking because it's so amazing. Oh, that's What's... right. That's right. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm famous for making pies, and I cultivate that um, very carefully. I make sure that I deliver pies whenever necessary to any of the brothers or any party, so that that can continue to be my reputation as a pie baker. <laughs> my favorite pies: cherry or apple. Probably one of those two. I like mm -hmm. to make for pies. Yeah. I love your cherry pie. It's so good. <laughs> I think I have not tried any of your pies. I'm really missing oh, out. That you're, you're missing out, Mom, so you have to have one next just time. Just have to go back just for the pie and then, you know, yeah. not so much. <laughs> pie. Um, uh, before we go into, uh, well, some of the things that we wanted to chat about, uh, as Chris was talking, I was thinking about, well, I don't remember exactly when it was that I met you, but I remember... That, well, I actually stay in your house with you and uh, Miriam and Jean some years ago, like six, maybe. I don't know. I was like 21. In all these episodes, we're just going so bad that I feel like I'm just 
ancient. Not even the oldest here, but anyway. <laughs> and I remember I had I had forgotten my coat, and it was like the end of winter, beginning of spring. So I kept wearing like a very, very big coat from Jean, who is another sister. And well, maybe you don't know Jean, but Jean and I are very different uh, from height to like style, to age, to um, personality and everything. So Sherry very kindly took me to like a store to just buy, you know, like a, a regular like university girl coat so I could stop dressing up as Jean because uh, <laughs> it felt like I was disguised as, as Jen and I was like oh well great now I just look like a, another one, a 21 year old so that, that was fun and um, yeah so uh, can you just tell us a bit about how you heard God's call to look uh, to live single for the Lord well we've heard this and I, I found that very helpful as Chris said uh, you always share very like very like practical and specific down to earth things and uh, yeah, so just tell us. Yeah. You hear this? Well, one of the things I didn't say in my introduction is that I'm the oldest of 10. So uh, I came to the University of Michigan um, to study nursing. And uh, when I got here at a time, it was a time in the university, I was raised Catholic. And, um, but I would just say, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you know, Sunday church goer, that was, you know, that was how you know, Christianity, it was just taken for granted. That's the best way to describe it. You know, that everybody was Christian. Everybody I knew was Christian. Um, so when I hit the university and I found that it was mostly filled with atheists from professors to students, I, I first was shocked by it, but then it caused me to question my faith in terms of what, why did I believe this? What did I believe? And uh, somewhere in my early first year at the university, I came to this point of thinking, you know, I, I don't think I believe in God. I, you know, I just, it's not very scientific that somebody rose from the dead. How can this be? But I also thought at that moment, then what's the point of life? If there's no life mm -hmm. after death, we were in the middle of the Vietnam war in the U S I had friends who died there. Um, it was just a sort of shocking mm -hmm. thought. Um, and I remember thinking, God, if you're there, please help me because I'm, I'm lost. I feel lost. So shortly after that, um, I was working in an ice cream town and in a store in town to pay for my education and help pay for my education. And uh, this guy came in and um, I was waiting on him and he asked me if I was a Christian. And I'm looking at him like, that's an odd question because, you know, being Catholic, Plus, you know, nobody asked that question. Are you Christian? At least not then, not in the uh, late 60s. Um, and I just kind of looked at him, well, yeah, I think so. And he said, oh, great, where do you go to church? And I, I had been going, I hadn't been going to church, but where I would have gone was the student chapel, um, St. Mary's student chapel, Catholic chapel there. And I, um, so I said that and he said, oh, well, have you ever been to these prayer meetings? And I'm like, no. And he said, oh, you really should go. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> anyway, I ended up going. I ended up going because he invited me. Um, and mostly because I tell people just because he was sort of cute. And I just thought, well, this should be interesting, you know. <laughs> but um, Evangelist. Yeah. But that was the thing, it, you know, it was going to that permitting, um, it was like being confronted with people who, who believed that God existed. And that was sort of, again, it was like a, a wake up call, like, oh my gosh. And I, 
and it was not particularly Catholic. It was, you know, an ecumenical thing. And I, you know, I've never seen anybody pray in tongues and thought, oh my God, what is this? You know, um, but I went to an explanation after the prayer meeting and bought these books about Catholic Pentecostals and, you know, uh, speaking in other tongues and read them all. And I found a Bible and I read that. And I read that from cover to cover, like it was a novel, you know, mm -hmm. um, God just um, spoke to me through that in the sense of just um, seeing that I needed to invite God into my life and make him the center of my life. And in doing that, I, I experienced the Lord. And I know at the time that for me, that experience of encountering Jesus and finding that there was this love that was so incredible made me want to love him back. And while I had always assumed, especially being the oldest of 10, that I was going to get married and have lots of kids, um, suddenly I just wanted to live for Jesus. I just wanted to live for him. And um, my first friend um, that was part of this prayer group was Jean Kuhn, who's also one of our Bethany sisters. And Jean was talking about deciding to, to stay single um, for the sake of the Lord. And at the time, my thought was just to be a nice friend to her and support her. Oh, that's great for you, Jean. But really thinking, no, that's just not what I'm going to do. I, I want to get married. But as she talked, and because of what the excitement of God at the time, I mean, this was the beginning of the charismatic renewal, you know, there was, there was just um, masses of young people just giving their life to the Lord, coming to these prayer meetings. And just the the excitement of it and then meeting brothers who you know they they're deciding that they're going to listen for the lord and going about like francis of assisi barefoot you know that was the hippie movement back then that's um, what you did you walked around barefoot oh yeah yeah that was part of the yeah <laughs> i love it and um so it was it was an exciting time but it was also a radical time people were doing radical things particularly not christian things but radical things of every sort and there was that part of me that wanted to do something radical for God and so between my conversations with Jean and prayer and prayer meetings and coming I just came to this point of saying Lord I, I think I could want to live for you this way and and then but then I felt like but is this what he wants for me? I mean, it, it, does he want me? You know, I might want him, but does the Lord want me this way? And so I just asked for him to give me some kind of sign, some kind of that, that he was inviting me to this. And um, that happened on, on Easter Sunday. I was with Jean. We went to Easter Vigil together and then came back to the dorms where I was living and um, prayed together with some of the brothers and sisters and uh, I got prayed over and just had that somebody had this word from the Lord. They didn't know what I was thinking. Um, mm -hmm. And I felt like that was the Lord's answer to me, his invitation to me. And I was 19 at the time. Um, but, you know, so uh, from, from that point on, I really felt like um, I was supposed to listen to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot happened between 19 and 27 when I made a lifelong commitment to listening to the Lord, you know, a lot of different, and I'm sure there were opportunities along the way to change my mind, 
but um, it seemed like at every turn, um, I just kept saying yes to the next thing. And um, I, you know, I graduated from nursing school. I started working as a nurse. Um, yeah, the year that I made my lifelong commitment was the my first year of nursing. Um, wow. But that's basically how um, I decided to sing to the Lord. That's amazing. Um, we heard from Sue Cummins, who was our guest uh, yeah. previously, that you had a. Um, a fun evangelistic summer household so yeah. we decided we need to have um, an extra episode of the podcast just to have you Jean and Sue share about that I just think it's amazing that you guys have been friends and on this journey for yeah. 50 years now I suppose yeah, yeah. 50 years yeah that's really yeah. pretty amazing that we've been friends that long you know yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> been quite a journey yeah and um yeah, so we will come back to those stories um, at some point um, in another podcast. But I wanted to ask you as well, um, you were obviously part of those early days. Um, you guys were all pretty young and then started a sisterhood and there was all structured and you shared life and um, we might hear some more bits and pieces about it. But then that changed for a while and uh, you lived in other places in 2000, I think, um, after a few years of women living single for the Lord, just in their communities and different places around the world, you, I think, heard a call from God one way or other to bring the women who have this call back together. And that's then um, a movement of God that has brought about the Bethany Association. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to ask if you could tell us a bit more about how did that come to be? Um, in 2005 yeah. um, how did you pull the sisters together what did God say to you yeah I think um, you know the the time when uh, of our um, separation and a lot of us deciding we were gonna you know live sing the Lord but live it on our own was um, during the years that I was living in Honduras working in a mission there mm -hmm. um, and I you know kind of took the approach, I, I don't know what God's about, I don't understand it, but I just trust him. And all I know is that he called me to listen for him, for the Lord, and I'm just going to continue on this path, and he'll give me the way to do this. And I, I really felt like um, I was doing this on my own, certainly with friendships and relationships with other sisters, but not like we had anything in common or some common thing that held us together. But when I came back after those four years of doing mission work in Honduras um, and began to live with Miriam Torres, um, you know, we had a house together and yeah, um, uh, we were um, having community conferences uh, regionally. So in the United States, we had this regional conference every summer um, mm -hmm. at a place called Hillsdale and a lot of the communities from around the U.S. would get together. We were smaller then um, and um, and at that time the Servants of the Word were doing a lot of youth work. Um, they, were, they had started doing youth work and um, they were very prominent, the, the brothers uh, mm -hmm. of the Word. And um, at, a lot of these conferences then the youth would be very much um, on display, you know, we had a lot of young people. And I remember 
uh, one time at one of these conferences, um, one of the mothers approaching me and saying, why is it that there's only something for the brothers? They can see the servants of the word and try out living stream of the word. Why isn't there anything for the sisters? She says to me. And I remember going away from that and saying, well, that's up to God, not me. And, you know, <laughs> walking away and, you know, just saying, you know, this is just, you know, I don't know. God's got his ways. So at the end of that conference, we had a big prayer meeting and it was, it was, it was pretty rowdy. The young people were leading it and they, and it was just like this really exuberant, very charismatic, you know, and um, I remember Dave Quintana, any of you know Dave Quintana, you know, kind of getting up there saying, you know, God's, you know, calling people to, you know, serve him and he has a plan for him. And anyway, we were just praying and worshiping and I'm in the middle of worshiping and just praising the Lord. And I just had this sense from the Lord that he was asking me to be open to something he would do to bring about a way for women to listen to the Lord mm -hmm. um, and to do it together. And I was just, you know, how you can be in prayer and just be kind of overwhelmed by the spirit and think, I can't say no here. I really <laughs> can't say no. Um, and, and yet you don't know what that means. You have no idea what he's talking about. And you're just kind of like, I don't know, Lord, what do I do? You know, what do I do? So Miriam was sitting next to me and I just said, mm -hmm. Miriam, would you just pray with me? Just pray with me. I don't know what God has, but he wants something here. So she, she prayed over me right there at that prayer meeting and just to be open. And, and I, and I just felt like God said, well, just get ready. So again, I didn't know what that means, you know, maybe exercise more. I don't know, you know, be in better shape, <laughs> pray more. I don't know. So um, I just um, felt like, yeah, that was sort of the beginning for me. So from that point, what happened was I just began to talk to some of the sisters. Oh, and one of the mothers mm -hmm. approached me as well, saying that she, this is Debbie Putnam, who had said to me, um, you know, I just feel like that the heart, one of the things at the heart of the sort of spirit is men and women living things of the Lord. And any way I can support you, you know, can I be administrative backup for you? Is there any way I can support you sisters, you know? And that this is something that, you know, God wants to make more visible, you know, that not just men, the men, but the women um, living single for the Lord in our midst in the sort of spirit. So um, I, um, I just started talking, you know, I talked to Sue and I started talking to Jean about, you know, what do you think? You know, do you think God might have something and want us to do something together? And it was more of the conversations. And then, you know, we decided to, because of Debbie's help, to put on a few retreats for women um, discerning state and life. And so, you know, we did our first retreat that we had since, you know, since before all the splitting and that kind of thing. And, um, and one of those retreats Mags heard about because one of the servants of the word had been talking to her about living single Lord because she was interested in thinking about it. And she flew from Belfast to the U.S. to come to this retreat huh. for a weekend, for a weekend. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know her from Adam. All I knew is that she'd been talking to John Yoakum, you know, and I just like, okay. We have um, some crazy women in here. I know. And Mags is the reason that I moved to Belfast and that's where I am now. So see. Yeah. I know. So <laughs> the reason came. why I moved, this is great. Yeah, I know. So mm. anyway, I, um, but that just started us talking and meeting together. And um, 
And then um, it's kind of like, who, who are the women? Are there, you know, where, where are the women? You know, who, who's left in the sort of the spirit living singular of the women? Mm -hmm. And um, in discussion with Debbie, um, we just thought about, well, maybe we could have a conference like in Lansing and host it and just invite whoever, you know, we, you know, we knew, um, I had met Brendan Sammy um, uh, some years before. Um, and then we knew there was a couple ladies in the Philippines, um, but we just didn't even really know where the women were. So we sent out letters to the coordinators and all the communities saying, you know, we wanna have, hold this conference. If you have a woman within your community who, you know, is living with the Lord or who is somewhere in this process of discerning, you know, we'd be glad to invite them. And that's basically how we ended up having our first um, conference um, was just mm -hmm. through these invitations and um, mm -hmm. we held it in Lansing and, um, and amazingly, you know, yes, the ladies, some of the ladies from the Philippines, from Mexico, Megs, you know, from Europe, it, it, that's how things started. And then we mm -hmm. just, you know, from there, things kind of progressed. It's, yeah. They describe it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love the way that uh, sometimes when we notice something or something is brought to attention, we say, God, you should do something about this. Um, <laughs> then we might just end up being <laughs> part of that plan and uh, adventure. Right. Um, right. <laughs> the, of course, then after those conferences, you started meeting regularly. Um, Mons and I weren't even around in the ether of living singles for the Lord yet. But in mm -hmm. 2009, I think then the Bethany Association was established and we picked that name you picked that name in listening to god and i think we've all experienced and we've been talking a lot about um bethany as our name and as the place in the bible um the little town um of bethany there and um the meaning that it carries for us and what jesus did there and i just wanted to ask what is it that you like most about the place called bethany in the bible mm -hmm. no i think um the thing that as I've always um, been attracted to is the is the fact that Martha and Mary's home, you know, these are two single sisters, obviously, um, was a place where Jesus Jesus felt comfortable to go and rest and bring his disciples with him, and they were served there. You know, um, he could get a good meal. He could, you know, he could a good be pie. With family. Yeah. <laughs> um, he could be with family, you know, and um, just be served. And um, to me, that that's what I most um, love about that story, you know, that there was a place that he could go in a home um, that would receive him anytime he came or anytime he showed up, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I... I remember that well the first conference we were both uh, there was a whole session just uh for like explaining that not explaining more like sharing uh the importance of bethany and the different meanings and all the things that happened there i think i had not a like i had not really paid attention to it how like so many things happened there and yeah i just remember that the whole of why bethany it was very impactful for me um yeah, I really like what you share about that. Um, yeah, and on a kind of different topic, uh, you also spend some time in Honduras, right, as a nurse, and that uh, you have worked in jobs that uh, have 
been involved in, you know, caring for the, po the poor and the sick uh, or the dying. And we just wanted to hear from you, like, how have you experienced maybe that also being a part of your vocation and your call in, you know, loving Jesus and serving him in others in this yeah. situations that you have been in? Yeah, I, I would say even from a young age, um, you know, as a Catholic, I, I had uh, um, a love for missionary stories, reading about uh, missionaries to the poor. Um, I picked as my confirmation name, Veronica, because that whole picture of her wiping the face of Jesus for me very much embodied my sense of, you know, nursing, you know, um, giving um, comfort in the face of suffering. And um, I always saw my call to listening to the Lord as, you know, wanting that caring for the sick or the poor to be part of what I did. You know, I thought about joining the Peace Corps when I was younger as well, you know, that, so I, I just always had this desire to work um, among the poor and in, you know, another country other than the U.S. And so when I had this opportunity to, to go to Honduras, um, that was just a blessing to me. Um, and so, you know, my call to listening to the Lord and my vocation as a nurse, um, to me, just went together, you know, it's just mm -hmm. part of, and even though, you know, within the sort of spirits, it's not like our communities have this focus of serving the poor. It just felt like that community life for me supported my ability to work as a nurse, or to serve out of it. And, um, but my life was in community and, and my spiritual life to feed me to be able to do this came out of my life in community. Um, so yeah, I, when I had the opportunity to go there, um, that was just for me, uh, an opportunity to live among the poor, to serve them in whatever way. Uh, you know, I tell people that those four years, everything I ever learned, you know, as I, I grew up with, you know, 4-H learning to cook and can and, you know, uh, sew and, uh, you know, besides the healthcare thing and everything I ever learned, I taught when I was there. You know, I taught the women in the village where I worked to, um, to sew, to we had um, gardens, I taught them to can, you know, all these, these various other kinds of skills besides teaching, you know, healthcare kinds of things, you know, it was just, um, in poor communities, there's so much impoverishment that's in many ways, it's not just um, poor from, at least in the Western world, we think of it as just, uh, you know, you lack money or something, you know, or, uh, but there's so many things that even, uh, to the very basics of culture and education um, that are so needed. So um, for me, that was the blessing to be able to give of all the various kinds of, you know, things I've learned um, that I've been privileged to learn because of my upbringing. Yeah. Um, that was a, a, a blessing to me. Yeah. Uh, just before we started recording, actually, you were sharing with us a story about you and like a Quaker woman. And, uh, and that was one of the things I had. Um, I'd read a book when I was young, younger called Christie, and it's about um, a young woman who goes to the Appalachians in the U.S. Um, in the, I don't know, 30s or 40s, um, a very poor region of the United States um, up in the mountains. And um, she had gone there as a very young woman and met a Quaker woman who had worked there most of her life. 
Um, and this community was a lot like the way I found it in, in Honduras, you know, very poor people with very little, just dirt floors, um, you know, thatch roofed houses um, with almost nothing inside, you know, a, a wood stove to cook beans on, but barely a chair to sit on and maybe a mat to lay on the floor or a hammock to sleep on. And uh, one of the things this woman in the story did was she made her home um, a place of beauty um, by just um, using things that were um, natural to the women in the area, but, but showing them how they, they could actually um, find beauty. And she would invite them to her home to see it and to share in it. And um, I had this house um, that actually belonged to the church in the village where I lived. And um, it was adobe house, um, clay tile roof. Um, but I, I tried to do the same thing in terms of making it a place of beauty, you know, learning how to make uh, artificial flowers from corn husks that I dyed and wow. made wreaths from and decorated the house with pottery that the women in the village, they made, many, there, were, there were a few women potters in the house that actually made dishes and bowls from things from clay that they dug out of the riverbed. And, you know, I bought those and decorated my house with that kind of thing. Um, and I used my house as a place that they could come. And I taught them to sew from that house. And um, uh, yeah, just just any ways out of my home that I could use it as a, as a, a way for them to experience um, just something different, you know, and something yeah. they, um, could, and, and they could come and find rest and, um, and beauty, you know, so. Yeah. And, uh, well, you, you were there in Honduras for a couple of years, right? Four years. Four, four years. Four. Mm -hmm. so, so in case you all didn't know, Sherry also speaks Spanish. So maybe we will also say that from a different, from like for another episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, well, you lived in Honduras, uh, serving people and, now you're living with some Bethany sisters and your mom and you were just telling us also that a bit after uh, you returned from Honduras, you lived with uh, some other sisters. You like you mentioned, uh, Miriam, who's a very dear uh, sister of us uh, who passed away in the last few years. And I, from what you were telling us, it, it sounds a lot like what you just mentioned that you did in Honduras. You just made a place of beauty and refuge for others uh, when you were both living together. Uh, so can you tell us a bit about like that time? What are some of the ways that uh, your house then served as a place of mission, of refuge for whoever needed it, for whoever needed just hospitality and an encounter with Jesus? Yes. Um, so Miriam and I bought a home together right about the time, uh, like about a year after I left for Honduras. And, um, you know, we both had some money um, that came to us um, at that time. And um, we went in together, but she maintained the house those years that I was in Honduras. Um, and we, it, was a, it was a large house. I mean, we had like five bedrooms in it, I think. And um, when I came back, I mean, one of the things that we, um, we just did was decide that we were going to rent to uh, younger single women who needed a place who were just graduating, um, going from being students to getting into the professional world. Um, 
we had a lot of single women who were married out of our house um, during the time that they lived with us. Um, we turned our house into summer households for university students uh, during the summertime. So we'd pack it with, you know, uh, <laughs> six to eight women, you know, cause we could do that, put, put bunks up in our house um, as an opportunity for them to have a summer living experience um, that was Christian and they served out of that. They did various kinds of mission summer mission activities from our house. And then, um, you know, we often had guests from all over the world stay with mm -hmm. us um, during those, you know, we had that house for 20 years. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I know um, often women came because they needed a break or they needed um, to be refreshed or restored. Um, young, one woman came to us with her uh, two daughters after experiencing a, um, a very difficult separation and they just needed a place to be. And it was, um, you know, that's been a lifelong friendship just because we gave them that time and that space. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, some of the Bethany sisters now came and stayed with us, you know, Mag stayed with us for, I think a year. And um, yeah, I think she was with us a year, if not more. And then um, Brenda came, Sammy came, um, Monty, you were there for a shorter visit for yeah. a month. You know, we've had um, we had lots of um, women come through that house, and then you know we used it for community activities. Um, Miriam served on UCO staff, University Christian Outreach staff for a lot of years, and you know we had all kinds of events at our house because it was a comfortable place, um, and we had the space to do it. Um, so yeah, our home we saw it as a way to serve the Lord, serve community and make it a space that um, was comfortable for people um, and that would bless them, bless them and serve them in the Lord. Mm -hmm. It sounds a lot like uh, what you described earlier, um, what you like about the place called Bethany in the Bible, the place of rest and where Jesus could just come, come for a meal and find, uh, yeah a place of friendship and being served and I think I love just in hearing the stories from the different sisters that we're now um talking to on this podcast just how you live that each one of us live that in a different way but again in similar ways in the homes that we have um to make them a little better um with the Lord um so thank you for sharing that the last question I wanted to ask you is um, what would you say to young women who are on a journey right now to discover God's call for their lives? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I thought about this question as you asked it of me earlier. And I, I think the, the thing that I would say, um, and someone said this to me at a very critical point in my life, uh, you know, a celibate woman, uh, a sister, um, is that you know, it's not always about discovering the thing that you're supposed to be doing or that God has for you, but it's responding to the next thing that he invites you to, or the next thing that's there to do and just saying yes to him. And it's those little steps that lead you into the fullness of what he has for you. And um, some, some of it for me is just not being afraid. You know, I think there's there's a way that you get an invitation to the Lord and they go, oh my goodness, what's that going to mean? You know, or kind of like, you know, and I think it's a, it's a discovery of the goodness and the blessing and the joy 
in saying yes to him and not, and it's not that you're not afraid. I think there's always that edge of fear, but just being willing to say, Lord, I know you have goodness for me, even if this makes me a little afraid, you know, um, and then, and then just saying, but I want your will more than I want anything else and taking that next step. Um, and it's as you do this, you walk into what he has for you, the fullness of the mission and the call that he has for you is taking those little steps um, that lead to knowing uh, his mission and his call on your life. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sherry. I always feel like when we ask these questions then I'm listening and I need to take it in and I need a moment to ponder. So everybody take a moment to breathe and ponder. <laughs> you definitely and just begin with that question so exactly. that we have the next yeah. 40 minutes to talk about that. <laughs> I've definitely experienced both the excitement and the fear of uh, God's invitation and what comes next, but it has been a great adventure and um, we're very blessed to be able to walk that journey together and it's just amazing that yeah, you've been mm -hmm. part of both of our journeys and uh, lives and we continue to walk together, which is even more exciting. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, yeah. Sherry. We will invite you back for that <laughs> now already famous, not famous episode. Um, that might be a little funnier, <laughs> actually. <laughs> <laughs> so we will see when that happens. But thank you so much. You're and, um, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. And we look forward to sharing the next story with you in our next episode. God bless you. God bless. Bye.